Well, welcome to another Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and uh, thank you so much for tuning into the program today. Uh, we're going to get into a really controversial topic. And uh, the controversial topic, of course, is what happens when you tell the truth about what's happening in the culture. Case in point. And I know we're really uh, here in the People's Republic of California. We're going through it because of fires and extreme heat right now. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers with everybody uh, who's been impacted by the uh, uh, by the York fire. What's the uh, I mean, tens of thousands of acres being burned right now as it makes its way to the uh, uh, California Nevada border. And with the heat and then, of course, California trying to lead the league in renewables. And it's got to be discouraging to Governor Newsom. And I say this with no snark intended, but it's got to be discouraging to know that while we are dealing with the extreme heat here in the People's Republic of California, the plan to heat with renewables and to cool with renewables, I should say, uh, isn't working so well. Now, you know, there's, it's one thing to say, we have a plan. And the plan is by 2030, this, that, and the other thing. By 2035, blah, blah, blah. Hey, look, I have a diet plan right now. and <laughs> I would love to lose 30 pounds. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. And just because I say I'm going to lose 30 pounds by my birthday doesn't mean I'm going to lose 30 pounds by my birthday. Not unless the, I take some rather drastic measures, right? Well, California and the rest of the U.S. is trying so hard to be working on renewable energy. You know, we're better than China and, you know, greenhouse effect and we're cutting all these emissions. But you know, it's interesting. This is, again, this is just for the California independent system operator which is the group that tracks what percentage of fuel comes from, or, you know, heating and cooling energy, that type of stuff, is used for uh, keeping the state cool. And during the recent power grid, 40% of the state's total power grid supply comes from natural gas. Renewables, mainly solar energy, accounted for nearly 34%, but that's only during peak sunlight hours, which is between 8 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Now, obviously, it's summer, so the sun's up longer. But the state's grid depends on fossil fuel plants during the nighttime and morning hours because the solar energy infrastructure is not producing up to its capacity. And interestingly enough, wouldn't you know it, the highest energy demand, especially for electricity, comes around 7 p.m. Notice I said that the peak hours for renewables is between 8 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. So you know what that means. What that means, this past Sunday, for example, natural gas generated 45% of California's power during the, uh, the, the high demand era compared to 27% generated by renewables. So, of course, this is just driving Gavin Newsom nuts because he's the green guy and he's the, you know, going to save the planet and all that stuff. And again, I, I think it's good to have renewable sources. I, I'm, I'm not faulting that desire at all. The qu question is not so much should we have them as how much can we count on them? What exactly will they actually do? But then again, you know, let's understand more and more these days, when somebody asks an awkward question like that, that person, that news reporter, whomever it is, actually winds up coming into greater scrutiny, which leads us to today's Super Tuesday guest. He's a man by the name of Chadwick Moore. He's an author, he's a journalist, and he's written a brand new biography of Tucker Carlson. It's simply called Tucker, and that's one of the <laughs> most grossing pictures of Tucker Carlson. It has that kind of, you know, that kind of uh, disbelieving stare 
you know, that he always has. Like when he reads his uh, commentaries and, you know, this is happening. This is ridiculous. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. You know, that type of deal. Um, it, it's interesting because of all the people who could have, um, who, who could have been tapped to be the biographer of Tucker Carlson, some people would thought it would be another journalist. Uh, some th- people thought it would be, you know, a member of the mainstream conservative legacy media, if you will. Maybe you know, Tucker is a, he, he calls himself a, uh, the worst kind of Christian because he's an, a lapsed Episcopalian who's just now making headlines. Christian Post ran a piece the other day about the fact that he's reading the Bible more and, and it, it getting all sorts of new revelations with regard to uh, that and uh, good for him for doing so. But this is a guy who tells the truth. And as a, re- I mean, he even if it's ugly, this is a guy who, in early 2023, said, you know, I really got involved in the 2022 midterms. I believe there's going to be a red wave. I'm a conservative guy. I got behind and campaigned for a lot of these people, and I did not realize a that America had changed. There was no red wave. It wasn't even a pink whisper, right? But then, secondly, he says, man, if I'd known that I did not have that much influence in terms of getting people to vote for candidates, I wouldn't have thrown my support in. I really had to go back and rethink my priorities. My job is to explain what's going on, tell the truth, that type of thing. Chadwick Moore was one of the last guests to be on Tucker Carlson tonight on Fox News Channel. Neither one of them knew he was there that final day when neither one of them knew that Tucker was going to lose his job after that. And Tucker Carlson is still under contract with Fox News Channel. He's just not on the air anymore. Now, here's what makes Chadwick Moore such an interesting guy to do this. This is a guy who's an author and a journalist. He's a contributing editor at The Spectator. He's written for The New York Times, The New York Post, and a variety of other uh, publications. In 2017, Chadwick Moore was fired from his job as editor-at-large for the magazines called The Advocate and Out. And as you can imagine, those are publications that cater to the LGBTQ community. Now, this is a guy who identifies in that community, but because he began to write pieces in favor of conservative thought, even, dare we say, biblical values, all of a sudden the left blackballed him. He basically wrote an article that said, I am a conservative, kind of in the same way as guys like Guy Benson and Dave Rubin are. And again, you know, we look at the the large tent of conservatism and say, look, just because somebody says they're a conservative doesn't necessarily mean we're going to line up with their values. I mean, there are a lot of people who are conservatives who aren't part of the Christian community. There's a guy, uh, Zudi Jasser, for example, who's a Muslim, who has very, very conservative ideas. And I like reading his stuff politically, but I realize that spiritually we're way far apart. Same with Guy Benson. I mean, Guy Benson has connections to Christian universities and things of that nature. I think he would call himself a Christian, and I would respectfully disagree with him, but I love his insights as a conservative commentator. Chadwick Moore now falls in that category as well. And he inadvertently wound up appearing. They were working on this book called Tucker uh, when they were, <laughs> he was on there to do a little promotion for it, and next thing you know, that was the end. On the other side of this break, Chadwick Moore is going to join me for a conversation about Tucker Carlson, the incredible phenomenon that his legacy is now that he's moved to Twitter and other social media outlets. The brand new book, Tucker, is just out today. It's already in the top 100 on Amazon, and we have a copy that we'll be giving away. So start calling in now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. If you are a Tucker Carlson fan, Chad McMorris' conversation with me on the other side of this break will be well worth your time. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, today on The Bottom Line, we're going to take a look at one of the most fascinating figures of the 21st century, a guy who has a media background that's really remarkable in that when it comes to all the major players, whether it be CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, he has worked for all three. And not only that, but he succeeded at all three as well. He is probably right now anyway, one of the most polarizing figures in the media, if not in history. And my guest today here on The Bottom Line had access to him in a rather unprecedented way. Uh, the guy who got the access is Chadwick Moore, who's the author of a brand new book called Tucker. And this is a story of uh, how Tucker Carlson operates, how he thinks, how he maneuvers through the course of the day. And uh, we have a privilege to have Chadwick Moore with me today here on The Bottom Line. Chadwick, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be here. How did you get it? I mean, tell me, <laughs> who gave you access to Tucker Carlson? I mean, we're all kind of curious, right? I mean, a lot of people, you watch personalities on television and you kind of decide, well, this is how they are and this is what it'd be like in, in person. How did you get so much access to where you could publish a book that's just now coming out on his stories? Yeah, so I was um, I was a regular guest on Tucker Carlson tonight for almost the entire run of the show. Uh, and and as fate or whatever would have it, I was also a guest on the final episode of the show, which was April twenty mm. first. Which of course none of us knew that was going to be the final right, episode. Right, right. And uh, so um, you know, I I'd had that relationship with Tucker, but uh, and I'd only met him in person a couple times, always very brief, like in the rare occasions that he was here in New York in studio, and and I would go into the studio to the show. Um, but early on, he started texting me out of nowhere, which I found out in the course of researching this book is pretty common for him. Not common for cable news hosts at all, ever. But he, you know, likes to stay in contact with everyone who's been on the show or or even just random people he meets in the street. And um, so, you know, I had a kind of text relationship with him for a while, but that was sort of the extent of it. Uh, and then it was about a year ago, it was early, early last spring, uh, my publisher uh, contacted me and and said, you know, we we think that. Tucker Carlson is sort of the most important and influential voice in American politics right now. And we want to do a book about him and we want you to write it. And, uh, and I, you know, I was honored and flattered and, but at the same time, and I agreed with them that he does deserve a book, but at the same time I thought, you know, like, well, I'm a, I'm a guest on his show. Is that going to be kind of weird? Uh, and I said, well, let me, you know, I don't know, let me call Tucker and, you know, see what, what he thinks about it. And, uh, so I called him up and, um, he said, uh, you know, he was sort of like, 
oh, I don't really like that kind of attention. And he said, um, you know, uh, he said, I'm not interesting. I'm not interesting at all. I'm not an interesting guy, which, of course, <laughs> you know, we all knew was not true. Right. Uh, and then, you know, I said, that's OK. You know, I just thought I'd ask, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was about to hang up and he said, he said, uh, well, you know, wait a minute. You know, you're, you're a really good writer and I really like your stuff. And he like had remembered some columns I wrote for The Spectator. And mm-hmm. he was talking about that. And, and that was really flattering. And uh, and then he sort of talked himself into it and was like, well, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Uh, so since then, we were just off to the races. And he was, you know, anytime I wanted to hang out with him and come and be with him, he he let me. And any anytime I had questions, anytime I wanted to interview him, anytime I needed some information, uh, he was there. And he gave me, um, you know, he really trusted me he's mm-hmm. not uh asked to see a word of the book he hasn't seen it um he's uh you know he's had this is a totally independent biography uh and um that's uh, sort of the story about how it happened so i got to spend a lot of time with him he lives in both florida and in maine so i got to go to both places and mm-hmm. uh, i got to spend time with his dad with his wife um you know uh, kind of get to know his world now, it's interesting. I'm talking with Chadwick Moore today here on The Bottom Line. Author, journalist, uh, contributing editor at The Spectator. This is a guy who's written for many, many major publications and was a regular guest on Tucker Carlson uh, program, but especially <laughs> turned out to be the last one on the last day. What a lot of people are, are kind of scratching their heads over, Chadwick, is the fact that a guy like Tucker, you know, kind of I, I appreciate his candor, you know, saying, hey, I got sucked up in the midterms in 2022 and I was endorsing candidates. And if I 2023 hindsight, I don't think I would do something like that. He He's a pretty much a straight shooter. And he really is drawn to people more about their ideas than actually about the labels that they have. And I, I, I real understand that's a part of your background with him as well, you know, in terms of saying, hey, you guys are committed to conservative principles, even though you wouldn't necessarily, you know, outside of the working world, you might not have reason to kind of hang out. Yeah, he's, and you know, I, that's what, if, if you watched his show, that was sort of a staple on his show was um, the disaffected liberal, even like the self-described liberal, uh, but who was at least, you know, had the courage to stand up against bad things happening on the left. Uh, and and, you know, he, he's always admired people who who are who just have conviction and are brave and courageous and will put things on the line for what they believe in. Uh, you know, he said many times, I don't care how crazy your idea is. If you believe it, then I respect you for believing it. Mm. He really hates sort of party line hacks, you know, right, which is right. a lot of basically all of cable news. He hates people that just re- repeat the talking points and they need someone to tell them what the, what to think. So he, he certainly has a profound respect for that. And, uh, he, you know, his, his, his uh, audience also was, was very much, he had the largest audience of 25 to 54 year old Democrats in all of cable news, more Democrats really? in the age group. Oh my goodness. His show uh-huh. over MSNBC or CNN. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's that's certainly something that's always made him sort of stand out and, and make him appeal to people. And I think that he's come around, he, he reached such prominence at a time when that is sort of what the nation I think is, is really hungry for. They're sick of artifice you know, it's one of the reasons why cable news is sort of tanking. They're, they're mm-hmm. sick of the the bells and whistles and and people are more uh, acute to when they're being lied to now or when someone right. is just repeating something they don't believe. And, and Tucker, uh, you know, really um, his appeal goes beyond that. 
I'm talking with Chadwick Moore today here on The Bottom Line, who's the author of the brand new book called Tucker. It's a biography of Tucker Carlson that Tucker, you said, didn't want to read a word of it, but uh, wholeheartedly supports your effort to actually tell the story, but shows a great amount of trust and integrity on his part and also on yours. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. How did Tucker Carlson, I mean, Chadwick, you've been working with him for many years. How did he become this guy? I mean, a lot of people, you know, the problem with the social media world is everybody can find their one screen grab and say that's who you are you know tucker carlson is getting schooled by john uh, stewart on cnn so that's who he's always going to be and obviously people are a lot more complex than that um what is the how have you watched tucker kind of evolve in the public square over the course of the years to the guy he is right now who could say i'm just going to take this thing to twitter and millions of people are going to follow me there yeah, he's, you know, he's very, he started off um, in print, you know, being a, a magazine writer and and a beautiful writer, like a really, mm -hmm. really beautiful writer and, and hilarious. And, uh, and he's still, you know, that's still very much a part of his personality. I mean, the, the in, in the worlds of media, you know, TV and print are, it's, it's both journalism, but they're both two completely different forms of journalism. Right. That really the rules are totally different and the people who are attracted to those worlds are different. Tucker has sort of bridged those worlds. And, you know, those monologues that he's so famous for uh, that he's taken to Twitter now, that's all him. He writes every word of that and you can mm. tell. Wow. And that's a big creative outlet for him that you can tell. I mean, that's like where he gets that writerly thing he needs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's evolved. He's always been a kind of civil libertarian. Uh, but the, mm -hmm. the biggest way he's evolved is probably – you know, uh, the Iraq war was his biggest kind of breakaway from the from establishment GOP and kind of beltway politics, beltway conservatism, uh, because he went to Iraq and he he went from being a supporter of the invasion to being staunchly against it once he saw what was happening there. Uh, so I think that the, the biggest evolution was that kind of drift away from from Washington. Uh, and then, of course, he was physically kicked out of Washington in November 2018 when Antifa attacked his home right. where he lived forever. And, and he, you know, his wife was there and she was in danger and he decided that's it. We're gone. Uh, and uh, and I think he's probably better off not in Washington. Uh, and, and, you know, I kind of write about in the book the evolution of how after Trump was elected president, you know, all of his neighbors and friends, you know, he became a pariah amongst all of them, whereas before they were, you know, lifelong acquaintances kind of traveled in the same circles. Mm -hmm. So I think that he's. Um, I think he's become, you know, galvanized more in certain issues, but he's just sort of come into his own. I think the Fox show is where he really had the freedom to come into his own and say what he truly thought. Coming around at a time when the the right was becoming more populist and mm -hmm. uh, less establishment. And that's always sort of been the kind of person he was. Mm. It's interesting insight from Chadwick Moore today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, he's written a brand new book called Tucker. It's about Tucker Carlson. This is a guy who knows him professionally, knows him personally, has spent literally hundreds of hours interviewing with him. And of course, looking at different you know, things he's written, uh, you know, photographs of the family, things of that nature. This book promises to be uh, one of the most informative things you'll read this summer. And we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll take a quick break and come back with more with author Chadwick Moore in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Chadwick Moore is my guest today here on the program. He is the author of the brand new biography about Tucker Carlson. It's simply called Tucker. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. It just came out today. And uh, it's always exciting when you have a book that is this popular. I mean, there are how many gazillions of products available on amazon.com. Tucker is ranked number 126 at this point. And we have a copy. This book is extremely rare and hard to find right now because they're selling out like crazy. Would you like to win a copy? Crystal is taking your name and your number. And we're having a big drawing today. 800-227-5278. 
is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have one copy of Tucker Carlson's biography uh, called Tucker, written by Chadwick Moore, my uh, award-winning journalist, and a guy who was blackballed by the left for writing the types of articles that the left loves to champion until all of a sudden he said, hey, wait a minute, I'm part of the LGBTQ crowd, but... I think I'm conservative. And they said, oh, no, you're not. You know, the big welcoming tent said there's no room for gay conservatives here. And that was the end of Chadwick Moore, as far as the left goes. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, more of my conversation with Chadwick Moore, talking about the Tucker Carlson phenomenon. Why have so many people either come to love this guy or hate this guy? And why does it seem like he is making a whole lot, you know, guys like him and Joe Rogan are making a lot more sense to the mainstream more and more each and every day. We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Chadwick Moore is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Interesting cover for this brand new book called Tucker, the Biography. It's a biography, obviously, of Tucker Carlson. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Did he not get it? He say so. And I mean, he looks so serious. I mean, almost borderline angry. It's kind of the same picture that you see or used to see every night doing his uh, rant at the opening of the show on Fox News. How did you pick this one instead of like smiling Tucker walking his puppy or something like that? So (laughs) thank you for asking that because nobody's asked me that before. And I I love this question. Um, I, I love that cover because I think that, it, I mean, there was a huge, huge debate at the publishing company with the cover, went through many different things. Um, I love this one because I think you kind of, it's a little bit of a Mona Lisa. You kind of mm-hmm. see what you want in his expression. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't tell if he's angry, if he's about to pounce, if he's thinking, if he's, I, I love that. I love this cover. But I will say exclusively on your show, this is the first time I'm announcing this. Uh, is that we're doing uh, a limited edition, special edition of the book. I think only 2,500 copies with a different cover that is a little more um, playful. It's a little more avant-garde. It's it's the cover that all the young men at the publishing company loved. And then all the old, <laughs> it made all the older people a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And I just like the both. So so there will be a limited one that's a little more playful. I'm, exci- I'm excited for people to see that. Um, but uh, yeah, the cover is certainly, um, yeah, it's that it's that iconic Tucker face in a way uh, mm-hmm. that um, I think you just kind of look at, at it and you you project your own impression of him onto that picture, which I think is kind of a nice thing. You know, I, I get the sense as you're looking at him in this picture, and I've got it up on my screen here. We'll put it up at thebottomlineshow.com so our listeners can be mesmerized by it too. Um, I, I think the thing that is so intriguing about Tucker, that this picture really is good um, for in, in the sense that not only was he writing and reporting on what was happening too, but he was also looking at his audience and saying, are you getting this? You know, are you, are you seeing this the way I am? Or what are you seeing? Because I, I really, I, I, and it's so refreshing to me, Chadwick, and I'd love to get your comment on this. It seems to me when it comes to the talking heads of the media, the interactivity is what people are looking for in, in terms of the, hey, we're walking this road together, as opposed to the, I'm Lester Holt and you're going to believe whatever I say. I'm David Muir and I, you know, that, that type of we're way past the Cronkite years or whatever. And, and and now it seems like anybody who's on TV, well, I'm Joe Scarborough and I just know better than you. You know, and and, and Tucker was different than that. He, he really didn't want to come across as I'm better than you. It was just, you know, we're fighting this fight together and trying to figure out what in the world's going on here. Oh, you're so right. I mean, that's that's such a good point. And it's uh, it just speaks to sort of, you know, I think that Tucker was sort of artificially 
extending and propping up the life of cable news like longer than it yeah. should have been like the yeah. entire industry not just fox mm -hmm. and a lot of that was i think he brought he brought the internet to cable and he brought cable to the internet i mean he was the only cable news host to be trending nightly on twitter and mm -hmm. his content he, he got things that people on the internet were talking about it wasn't what was on the front page of the new york times it was what some weird guy on twitter tweeted and a million people were saw it so in that way that he you know the, the cable news model is you know we are god we, we're right. You're wrong. I'm telling mm -hmm. you what's happening. I'm right. You're wrong. That's the nature of the machine. Uh, but people don't really want that anymore, as much anymore. They want podcasts. They want talk radio. They want this kind of interaction and this flow. And they want a connection with a person, not a connection with a brand or a corporation, which is what mm -hmm. previously that was and, and what Fox still thinks it is. I mean, Fox thinks that it's the brand that matters. They don't think the personalities matter. They think that, you know, we're unstoppable. We're Fox. We can do whatever we want. Nobody's going to care if we fire this person or that person. But that's not what people want. Uh, they want that relationship with a personality and that back and forth, you know. And what will probably be nice about what he's doing now is he'll be more free to have that back and forth with people. You know, the way you can comment and reply and, and everything else. Um, you know, cable news is designed to not have that with the audience. Hmm. Interesting. Chadwick Moore is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, author of the brand new book called Tucker, The Biography, the biography of Tucker Carlson, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Take us back to April 22nd and moving forward. I mean, what's it been like? How much interaction have you had or not with Tucker? I mean, with regard to just how, how life is treating him and how he's experiencing things, uh, you know, 90 days past what seemed like impossible that Fox News would ever uh, take the goose that was laying the golden eggs and say, go fly away. Yeah, he, so we were um, basically done with the book when, when his show was taken off the air. Okay. I, I actually, that week, I had one final call scheduled with him and I had, my five questions typed up that I was like, you know, just kind of sort of housekeeping stuff. Did I get this right? Can you explain this more? And then of course this happened. So uh, I interviewed him twice since the show was taken off the air. We added two new chapters to the book about the aftermath and, mm -hmm. and what was going on and how he was taking it. And then also updated the book to make it current. Uh, and um, uh, so I, so I did talk to him, you know, uh, after he, this, twice after the show was taken off the air and, he was in um, he was he was in good spirits. I mean, he certainly sounded more drained and confused than I'd ever heard him sound before. But interesting. He was in, he was you know, he, he was mainly frustrated that he wasn't able to work. He wanted to get back mm -hmm. to work. Fox is still trying to hold him to his contract. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's still an employee of Fox. They're still paying him to not talk. They're paying him to not have a show. <laughs> and uh, he you know, he was he didn't he didn't disparage Fox or the Murdochs in any way. Uh, he, he was upset that it, it appeared that Fox had been trying to slander him. You know, they were saying they're going to the New York times and saying, you know, they fired him because he was racist or something. And, uh, which isn't true, obviously. And on either count that he is racist or that's the reason why they fired him. Uh, so that was how he was holding up. But I think he was just, you know, he just wanted to get back to work and, um, and he still doesn't know why his show is taken off the air officially. They've not given him an explanation still to this day as we're talking, uh, but, um, you know, he's got very high self-esteem and he sort of, he said to me that it, he said, if I'd done something to embarrass myself or embarrass my family, of course, I'd be feeling very bad. You know, if I'd, mm -hmm. you know, I'd, if I had to go to rehab or something and that's why, which, you know, he's been sober for 30 years or 20 years, uh, you know, that would be very bad. But he said, I haven't done anything wrong. I know I didn't do anything wrong. So how can I feel bad about this? This was right. completely out of my hands. And, and he was very well prepared for this. 
you know, he's been he he's he's known for a long time that every job in television is a temporary job, and he's right. lived with that, and he knew that this was going to happen eventually. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I've seen the clip. I'm talking with Chadwick Moore today here on the bottom line about his biography called Tucker about Tucker Carlson. It's up at the bottom line show.com. I saw the clip. I think was it heritage foundation where he gave an address literally after he finished his show, the, the, the night of, you know, that all this stuff went down and people always, they'll look to media figures. And I know that GOP does this. Democrats do this independence. They're always looking for the next, you know, lightning in a bottle. Has Tucker Carlson ever mentioned to you, Chadwick Moore, anything about political aspirations? It doesn't seem like he would, but you know him better than I do. Yeah, he he wouldn't. Um, I don't know anyone that, that thinks he would either. I, I, I could be wrong one day. I'm, I'm wrong about politics all the time. But, uh, <laughs> but the club, he doesn't yeah. really have. First of all, he I don't think he'd ever put want to put his family through that. He yeah. wouldn't put, want to put his family through that microscope that you go under. And secondly, I don't think he has whatever that gene is that thinks that you can lead and control people like he just doesn't that's not a part of his makeup i don't think he has that 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 size of an ego uh i think you know <laughs> i think to be a politician a lot of you you have to have a massive ego or um you are kind of insecure and broken in some way i don't mm -hmm. think he really fits the personality profile for someone to run for office but yeah. i also just don't, don't think he would want to do that i think he loves his job as being as he would put it a professional observer um mm -hmm. i don't think he really wants us to be you know making laws or anything yeah uh chadwick moore the author of tucker the biography is my guest today here on the bottom line the book is just now out and we have a link for it up at the bottom line show.com what was the biggest surprise for you not only you're working with tucker and the things that you wrote but then as people are starting to get advanced copies take a look at it and they're saying wow i didn't know this or that what were the, some of the surprises that you found uh, i think i think what most people are surprised by uh and and this isn't necessarily a secret he's talked about it before but maybe only once or twice publicly um is uh his mother uh she was she uh, abandoned her family when he was six years old he has a younger mm -hmm. brother and his father dick and she wanted to become a kind of free-spirited bohemian art world groupie which she did uh and he never saw her again since he was six years old and wow. she died when he uh, she died in 2011 uh and you know i got to talk to him about that and his dad about that and his and tucker's wife about that uh, but I think a lot of people don't know that. Um, and uh, I mean, it's kind of an interesting part of, of I, I would think who he is, but, you know, he doesn't he doesn't uh, think it he, he doesn't really speak negatively of her. And, and and he actually has a kind of positive outlook on on how this was you know maybe a good thing for him, for him and his upbringing. That's amazing. Chadwick, I know that you have a, a story of your own with regard to coming to grips with conservatism and how it kind of bucked up against the left-leaning support system that you had or thought you had until uh, maybe a decade or so ago. How does Tucker Carlson's brand of conservatism cast such a big net? You mentioned, I mean, I was not aware of this, and I've been in media for 40 years, was not aware that he had the top numbers of 25 to 54-year-old adults among Democrats. I mean, people who yeah. would never publicly say, oh, that's Tucker Carlson are sitting there going, hey, did you get his monologue and, you know, whatever the opening thing? I'd much rather see his opening monologue than uh, than uh, John Oliver's or, you know, any, anyone else in terms of. But that's what it, the media tells us. Oh, everyone's going to Comedy Central. You know, I mean, that that's where they're getting yeah. the news the world from. They're not getting it from Tucker Carlson. How, how do you explain his appeal to so many different people? Well, I think it's just that 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 it's that. Um, you know, it's that people against the elites that's really come to a head now. You know, he he speaks to these things that I've always believed in that at one point, 
yeah, about a decade ago, I thought made me on the left, but I wasn't really thinking hard enough about the, the my person, me personally, I wasn't really thinking hard enough about the end game of the left. I was mm. thinking about more of the, the talk, the flowery talking points. Like, yeah, I believe in equality, you know, like yeah. things like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So until you start really thinking about what's going on. Um, so, you know, he, he, he believes in and speaks to things that, that, traditionally the left used to embrace he's being you know he's extremely obviously pro-free speech he's very anti-war uh he's um he's a nature lover i mean he, the man i have so many <laughs> so much content in the book about him talking about nature uh and um and which is say the environment which is why he hates the green movement so much because it does nothing mm. to actually to improve the actual environment exactly. mm-hmm. and uh and also you know anti-corporatism in a way that the republican party is in many ways for a long time is you know, not spoken up against corporatism. Uh, I think that that, you know, in that, I think a lot of that appeals to people who are traditionally traditionally liberal, um, but are too, maybe too scared to speak up to their party bosses. But all those things were once sort of associated with the left. And now it's become more of a populist standpoint. Um, I, I think that's a, a part of the appeal for sure. Well, so maybe we'll be replacing the term Kennedy Democrat with Tucker Democrat at some point, maybe even in the next election cycle. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Could very well be. Well, Chadwick, thanks for the work you've done in this book. And I really appreciate your time, too. The book is called Tucker, the biography written by Chadwick Moore. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and it is just now out. So I highly recommend that you pick up a copy. Chadwick, uh, thank you so much for your time and being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It was such a pleasure. And that concludes... My conversation with uh, Chadwick Moore today here on The Bottom Line Show. Uh, taking a look at the brand new biography of Tucker Carlson. It's simply called Tucker. It's got that rather imposing, but very Tucker look about him in that picture that's on the front. And as uh, Chadwick mentioned, it is kind of a Mona Lisa type of picture. We do have a copy of this book we're giving away today. And I, I just say uh, that very graciously to the publisher because uh, this is a book that uh, when they announced the initial printing, it sold out immediately. They were scrambling like crazy. The book was actually supposed to come out last week. It's just coming out today. And people are buying it like crazy because Tucker Carlson is such a compelling feature, uh, fixture, especially for conservative voices. And we have one copy of this book to give away. So I know we're going to have a feeding frenzy. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the biography of Tucker Carlson. Uh, it's just simply called Tucker, and we've got one to give away today here on the Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. So on a day when Donald Trump faces even more indictment charges, it seems like uh, the second most wanted man on the conservative side of the equation is, in fact, Tucker Carlson. But is it true that the White House tried to silence him? Is it true that some of the things that Tucker Carlson says are so inflammatory that people do want to shut him down, even a network like Fox News. Well, on the other side of this break, I'm going to play a quick clip of a most recent monologue from Tucker that I think kind of encapsulates why the left is so afraid of him and why we in the body of Christ are so drawn to a guy like Tucker Carlson. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You're a Christian who's been injured, so you need Christian attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to fight for you. With Stephanie, it's not just a routine legal process, it's a spiritual battle. She understands that a legal fight involves more than flesh and blood. It means confronting principalities and powers, and that's why she consistently prays with and for her clients. She forms long-lasting relationships with her clients, just as you would expect from someone who engages in spiritual battle alongside another believer. 
Praise for Stephanie pours in through cards, thank you texts, and letters from clients who thank her for checking up on them, coming to see them in the hospital, praying, and even finding alternative care when current care is inadequate. Inspired by Jesus' command to love one another, Stephanie uses her skill as an attorney and knowledge of insurance processes to fight for your completeness and healing. Don't wait any longer. Contact Stephanie Cover today at kbrightradio.com slash cover and let her take up your spiritual battle. Stephanie Cover is the only personal injury attorney I've ever recommended. She's been a huge help to my daughter and son-in-law, to my son, to yours truly. And I know that she will handle your case with professionalism. She knows the law, but also the spiritual component as well. If You've got to make sure you have her name and number in your contact. Stephanie with an F. Cover is in cover, 877-214-4935 or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash cover law. Thanks again to Chadwick Moore, the author of the brand new biography on Tucker Carlson. It's simply called Tucker, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through. To the bottom line, we have one copy of this book that we're giving away today. It is one of the most popular books in the country right now. It just came out today. And it was a blessing to have uh, time with Chadwick Moore. Uh, one of the things I think that is so compelling about Tucker is the fact that this is a guy who's very transparent about where he's been. MSNBC, CNN, Fox News. Uh, he was that kind of young conservative guy on uh, was it MSNBC before he had the big thing with Jon Stewart. He was on CNN for a while. Maybe I got the chronology knocked out of whack. And then he became a really big man on campus at the Fox News Channel. And one of the reasons why he did was he spoke his mind very clearly and very freely. And I think last year was probably that year when America said, hey, I like what this guy's saying. More people should be asking these questions or this guy's dangerous because he's talking about things that we don't talk about all the time here on the you know progressive so-called welcoming and inclusive left. Um, came across a story uh, regarding Tucker Carlson and it's a, uh, something that I found on social media through Breitbart when there was question as to whether or not the White House was kind of putting their thumb on the scale as to whom was going to be heard and whom was not. And uh, newly disclosed emails uh, that come from within Meta, which is the parent company of Facebook, indicate that the administration, the Biden administration, did in fact have officials appointed to, and I'm quoting the Wall Street Journal here, exert significant pressure on Meta to silence Tucker Carlton, or at least to cut him down. As a matter of fact, um, there were emails that said they were ready to tell the White House, the folks at Facebook, that they were controlling their, whether or not you know Tucker Carlson posts would be posted. And they had were prepared to tell them that they said, uh, um, 50% of the things that were posted by Tucker Carlson are people reposting certain things that he had said, um, even though they didn't violate any policies that Meta had. You know, they, they weren't inciting riots. They weren't, you know, hate crime related. They weren't racist. They weren't sexist. They weren't bigoted, you know, that type of thing. It's it's interesting, though, that the fact that now, in fact, I mean, this is this is the report. It's Wall Street Journal, but this is a report from Breitbart. They say, according to recently made public emails from Meta Platforms, the Biden administration and its appointees did put pressure on the company, possibly infringing on Americans' First Amendment rights. The company initially resisted. That this is from the Judiciary Committee. This is a subpoena 
from the Judiciary Committee to Meta, basically saying we want you know, communications about White House pressure, and this is what the Judiciary Committee has found out. The threat of congressional censure led Facebook to turning over the required documents. So now the documents are here. Here's, for example, here's one of the emails. This is from Nick Clegg, the president of, uh, of Mega, excuse me, Meta's uh, president of company global affairs. In an email to colleagues back in July of 2021, two years ago, we're right in the middle of the pandemic. And here's a quote. Can someone quickly remind me why we were removing rather than demoting or labeling claims that COVID is man-made? In response, a Facebook vice president in charge of content policy, speaking of the administration, said, we were under pressure from the administration and others to do more. In reality, we shouldn't have done anything. So who's the bad guy now? I mean, these are things that, trust me, I, I, I get this. Two years ago, I actually was posting a video to my YouTube channel, which nobody watches. I don't post a lot of stuff on YouTube. And I posted it and I asked the question, Joe Rogan had done a video on the Joe Rogan experience about kids getting the vaccine. You know, do kids really need it? He talked about the low rates of infection, et cetera, et cetera. And the title as, you know, Joe Rogan wonders, should kids get the vaccine? And I had a nice little five minute piece where I basically sided with Joe and said, look, the, the numbers don't bear out the kids need to get the jab. If other people want to get it and they're adults, that's fine. But when you look at the 77 million kids age 17 and under in the United States, how many of them actually needed the jab? Well, it turns out very few, if any. And when I posted it, two people watched that video. The first one was me just checking to make sure I posted. The second one was YouTube, who then shut it all down. You're spreading false information, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This was routine. It wasn't just bots that were people watching. Who am I? I mean, let's be real. Who am I? Tucker Carlson's audience is in the millions. Ours is in the thousands. Although I, sometimes I would say in the dozens, right? <laughs> Maybe the hundreds. I mean, we got a lot of different markets. There are a lot of people who listen. I don't, I don't keep track of the count. But compared to Tucker Carlson, his audience is much larger. But they were trying to shut Tucker down. And now the emails are starting to come to light. So what horrible, awful things did Tucker Carlson say about COVID, about transgenderism and things like that? We have a clip, an audio clip. I'll play it for you on the other side of this break, and then you decide whether or not Tucker should have been shut down. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. It's amazing how when you tell the truth about an issue that's controversial and everybody knows on the other side of the aisle that you're quote unquote wrong, if you just speak the truth in love with compassion and gentleness and respect as scripture tells us to, it's amazing how many hearts can be touched by this. Take it, for example, the sanctity of human life. Our friends at Preborn have been doing this for years. Woman comes to a preborn clinic with her husband or maybe without and they get an ultrasound done. The pregnancy test, an ultrasound, they see the pictures of the baby, and now they are told the truth. You are pregnant, you're so far along, and, uh, and the left will say, no, those aren't licensed clinics, and you're not giving health care. Well, the preborn clinics are giving women all three options that are legal in their state. Option number one, you're a mom. Option number two, you release the child for adoption. Option number three, you can abort the child. 85% of the time when a woman sees an ultrasound at a preborn clinic, 
she chooses life for the baby, either through adoption or to become a parent. And your tax-deductible donation makes that possible. Every $28 donation makes it possible for one more baby's life to be saved. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. Or make a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click on the pre-born banner today. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Tucker, Tucker Carlson and the Crosshairs. And also, uh, we're taking your calls at 800-227-5278. We have a copy of Tucker Carlson, the brand new biography called Tucker. And my thanks again to Chad McMore, the author of that book, for joining me for the past half hour to have that conversation. 800-227-5278. It's very hard to get a copy of this book. We are blessed to have a copy to give away today. Uh, they sold out in their initial printing. They had to push the release date back to today and we were able to get a copy. I don't take that lightly. So I would love for you to have it, but we only have one. So give a call and make your best pitch. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, what horrible things does Tucker Carlson say online that made the Biden administration start putting pressure on Facebook two years ago to diminish? And they did. They cut down the amount of Tucker Carlson video that you could share online by 50%. We got an example. This is Tucker Carlson explaining the the differences between Christianity and the transgender movement. Rather succinctly, Joel, if you got the clip, go ahead and let's let it roll right now. The trans movement is the mirror image of Christianity and therefore its natural enemy. In Christianity, the price of admission is admitting that you're not God. Christians openly concede that they have no real power over anything and for that matter, very little personal virtue. They will tell you to your face that they are sinful and helpless and basically absurd. That saved a wretch like me, goes the most famous Christian hymn ever written in English. The trans movement takes the opposite view. Trans ideology claims dominion over nature itself. That unwillingness to agree, that failure to acknowledge a trans person's dominion over nature, incites and enrages some in the trans community. People who believe they're God can't stand to be reminded that they're not. So Christianity and transgender orthodoxy are wholly incompatible theology. They can never be reconciled. Now, <laughs> you heard what he just said. He's not telling a lie. But when you point that truth out to people on the progressive left who are supposed to be so welcoming and inclusive, we welcome all different points of view. Everybody here is accepted. These are the places like the progressive churches that will put in all caps, everyone is welcome. Everyone is accepted. You must accept everyone. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, wait a minute. By saying that, aren't you telling people who are Bible-believing Christians that their Bible-believing Christian faith is not right and they aren't accepted? I mean, it's a bully tactic that just says, look, everything's fine as long as you all agree with me. And it's nuts. And yet this is the kind of stuff that the Biden administration was upset about. Tucker Carlson was talking about COVID. He was asking questions about the origins of COVID. And in 2021, they, wait a minute, we can't have this. Now the guy, God forbid, I say with tongue in cheek, part of an Episcopal church giving speeches at the Heritage Foundation and actually saying, hey, look, when you get right down to it, you wonder why so many people are divided in this country. It's because trans ideology doesn't line up with Christianity. And those have become the two dominant worldviews in the nation. 
fascinating insight from Tucker Carlson, and I do wish him well in whatever Twitter verse or wherever he winds up with his stuff, but more importantly on a spiritual journey too. I want to talk a little bit more about that on the other side of this break. Uh, for our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus is coming up next. For those who remain on the network, more about Tucker Carlson. Still taking your calls at 800-227-5278. couple moments left to get in on the drawing for the book called Tucker, which is the biography of Tucker Carlson, written by today's guest, Chadwick Moore. And then we're going to get into a little bit of, uh, is it biblical justice? Is it biblical restitution to make somebody who uh, is a driving while intoxicated responsible for taking the life of someone and now leaving them unable to provide for their children? We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, still taking your calls. We'll leave the phone lines open for a couple moments more uh, to get in on the drawing for the Tucker Carlson biography book. It's just called Tucker. Uh, the biographer is a guy by the name of Chadwick Moore, who was my guest today here on The Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. And boy, if anybody understands what it's like to be blackballed, as it were. Uh, Tucker Carlson uh, was on the receiving end of a mandate from the White House two years ago, just now coming to light as the uh, Judiciary Department and the Judiciary Committee in the House is uh, actually doing investigations into ways that the Biden administration has been shutting down what they call legacy media that they don't like. Uh, mercifully, they've never heard about the bottom line, show, I guess. Or maybe Bob Duco or Neil Boron Live or John Rush to Reason. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, the fact that they, Facebook's parent company, Meta, two years ago, reduced Tucker Carlson's, uh, the ability to share his videos and things like that. I've, I've shared some of them. A lot of people, you know, whether it's an article he wrote or a video he did, like his opening monologue he used to do every weeknight on Fox News Channel. That used to get viewed hundreds of thousands, if not millions of times. And Facebook just put in little algorithms, even though he did not violate any patterns, any, any, you know, he didn't say anything that's racist or sexist or homophobic, like the clip we just played, and we'll play it in just a moment. Again, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, he's just basically stating some facts about the, you know, he drew a parallel between Christianity and transgenderism and said, here's the reason why these two, uh, these two groups are at war, not that Christians are at war with transgenderism necessarily. Uh, we're at war with sin in the culture. And we, I mean, and, and understanding, of course, that Jesus won the war. We have battles with it, but we are called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So if there's something that's diametrically opposed to our faith, we have a responsibility to put on the armor of God. And we know that the enemy is attacking us and saying, you're wrong, you're filled with hate, you're bigoted, you're homophobic, you're xenophobic, you're blah, 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 blah. And we're supposed to, you know, put up our shield of faith and breastplate of righteousness and sword of the spirit and say, hey, no, 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 it's not like that. It's, it's not like that at all. You, you can shoot those arrows at us all you want to. They're not going to hurt us because we're protected. And then we shouldn't be running around all butthurt going, oh, I'm offended. I mean, they, people are going to say things that are offensive about our faith, but they're saying things that are offensive about Jesus. And, you know, the idea that we have to somehow Christianize the culture, let's face it, until the Lord returns, the wheat and the tares are doing what they're supposed to do. They're growing up. They're growing stronger and becoming more full. They're growing to fruition. And what does Jesus tell us in Matthew 13? When the wheat and the tares get fully grown, our job isn't to go through and pull out the weeds. Our job is to let the harvester do the harvesting. Then they'll be separated. Then the weeds will be burned and the wheat will be brought into the storehouse. 
So our job is to preach the gospel. Our job is to lovingly stand in the in the midst of these conversations, let people say horrible things about us and say, you know what, you're wrong, I respectfully disagree, you know. And Chadwick Moore, who wrote the biography of Tucker Carlson, knows that firsthand. This guy was a very prominent journalist in the LGBTQ world. And the more he hung out with Tucker Carlson, he said, I realize I'm a conservative. And there are a lot of people who are in that community that are conservative. And in the same way that we in the Sanctity of Life community say, hey, look, if I go to a, a preborn rally, you know, or a, something, you know, 40 days for life, something like that, I'm going to be in the company of, of Christians, of course, I'm going to be accompanied by Catholics. I'm also going to be accompanied by secular pro-life. I'm going to be accompanied by feminists for life and, you know, atheists for life. I mean, there are all sorts of pro-life groups that don't necessarily share our Christian faith, but we have a commonality in the sanctity of human life. And in the same way, Chadwick Moore, Guy Benson, Dave Rubin, these are guys who are outstanding conservative commentators. They don't necessarily share our faith per se, but they do share a lot of our values. They're a lot closer to you know, faith in Christ than, than they might realize. And we're grateful for the work that they do because they're taking that message outside of the walls of the church. So it doesn't just become a, well, we're Christians and we're always put upon. No, there are a lot of conservative voices in different parts of the society that are saying the same thing. Guys like Tucker Carlson should not be silenced. They're speaking the truth. They're making a lot of sense. And Tucker's even saying, hey, look, I'm taking my downtime. I'm reading my Bible. It's fascinating. And the clip, uh, Joel, let's go ahead and roll that clip again. Listen to the comparison he makes. This is the kind of stuff he used to do every night on his Fox News show. Now he's doing it on Twitter. But look at the comparison he makes in, in answering the question. You wonder why there's so much division in the culture? Here's one of the reasons. Go ahead, Joel, roll it again, if you would. The trans movement is the mirror image of Christianity, and therefore, its natural enemy. In Christianity, the price of admission is admitting that you're not God. Christians openly concede that they have no real power over anything, and for that matter, very little personal virtue. They will tell you to your face that they are sinful and helpless and basically absurd. That saved a wretch like me, goes the most famous Christian hymn ever written in English. The trans movement takes the opposite view. Trans ideology claims dominion over nature itself. That unwillingness to agree, that failure to acknowledge a trans person's dominion over nature, incites and enrages some in the trans community. People who believe they're God can't stand to be reminded that they're not. So Christianity and transgender orthodoxy are wholly incompatible theology. They can never be reconciled. Makes perfect sense. And yet when you tell some people in the progressive side of the equation, uh, that kind of truth and that kind of reality, here's what you get. Oh, you're, you're, you're something phobic. You're, you're hate. That's violence. I feel threatened. You know, <laughs> threatened by what? I mean, and I, and I ask this question sincerely, threatened by what? Are you threatened by new ideas? Are you threatened by the fact that you were told a lie about your insert, your lifestyle choice? And now someone wants to tell you the truth about it because they love you, because they care about you. I mean, Lisa and I were watching a show over the weekend. It's on History Channel, I think. We're kind of nerds for that type of stuff. And uh, we, by the way, for the folks who called in yesterday and wish Lisa a happy birthday, thank you. I think those were her favorite presents. Just people, one of our callers called and said, I hope she has a Lisa kind of birthday. Thank you. <laughs> that made us both smile. We were watching this show over the weekend and it was History Channel. It was like the history of food, you know, the food that built America. You ever seen something like that? 
And it's all the, you know, it, it's a, the, the post versus Kellogg's issue and Heinz, the, the Heinz company, Henry Heinz was a genius. And a, I mean, Andrew Carnegie, take a back seat. This guy was, a, he really thought Clarence Birdseye, you know, <laughs> the guy's family were super wealthy in New Jersey and they lost everything. So he moves to Antarctica and becomes a fur trapper and learns how to make frozen food. It's just amazing that these different things. But what was interesting is these foods, a lot of these food products, when they became popular, before there was a Food and Drug Administration, they could say whatever they wanted to about the food and people believed it. CW Post took a recipe from John Kellogg, who ran a sanitarium in Battle Creek, Michigan. It's a long story. And John's brother, Will, was saying, hey, we should sell the, they, this granola they used to feed to their patients. And it was, it made their health improve and whatever. And we should mass market this. Well, nobody did breakfast in America. I mean, you had, you know, farm foods and whatever, but all of a sudden the idea of taking a breakfast cereal and pouring milk on it was revolutionary. CW Post was at the sanitarium, <laughs> still on these sidebars. He had gone practically mad over the fact that a lot of his inventions didn't work. He sees the idea for the granola. He stumbles onto this whole idea. Of they, they wind up making grape nuts, okay? Post leaves the sanitarium start selling grape nuts, it becomes the most popular thing ever. You know, now it tastes like gravel, right? But back then, hey, this is amazing. And then Will Kellogg comes up with uh, cornflakes and then Post comes back with Post Toasties, back and forth, back and forth. The claims in these ads were just absolutely, utterly ridiculous. How many people were taking tonics and elixirs and all these things that were designed to improve their health, quote unquote? And instead, there was no, there was no guarantee. There was no basis. John Pemberton, the guy who developed Coca-Cola, was addicted to morphine. He was addicted to opium and moved to morphine. He had stomach cancer. He kind of went to the cola nut and the coca leaf and a little bit of sugar and carbonated water as a last-ditch effort. He wound up dying practically penniless. And some a guy named Andrew Carvin, I think was his name, came in and basically turned Coca-Cola into a multi-gazillion-dollar empire. But they didn't have to back up those claims. They could just say, this elixir will grow hair. And be, oh, okay, that's fine. It was you and versus them. Well, nowadays in the media, we get a lot of that too. You look at the transgender movement, for example, and I, I use Laura Beth Perry, or Laura Perry Smoltz, I should say. Uh, Laura lived for nine years as a guy called Jake, and now she's uh, she detransitioned, is back to being Laura. She married Perry. Uh, they got, they've just celebrated their one year anniversary and she posted something that just made me smile over the weekend in talking about what it's like for her to be living as a woman. First thing we were at NRB last year and she was going wedding dress shopping and she was so excited. She looked at me, she goes, Roger, I never in a million years would have imagined that someone like me would have been excited about shopping for a wedding dress. But as God is restoring her to the way he created her. She posted over the weekend, she said, you know, Perry and I just celebrated our first wedding anniversary. And after living as a man for nine years versus being married to a man for one year, I realized I don't know anything about being a man. <laughs> and it just cracked me up. It was very sweet. But so Tucker Carlson brings up some interesting points. He says, look, the essence of Christianity is that we don't look at ourselves like we're anything special. We're, a, you know, the... the Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And the transgender movement seems to say, I'm the center of the universe. Science and biology be darned. And I'm going to be whatever I want to be because this is what I want to be. And you have to accept me. 
And as you see more, but then if someone comes up and says, well, wait, I thought that too, but I'm transitioning back to my original gender, that voice is supposed to get silenced. Why? Because your argument isn't strong enough? This is the beauty of the cross. The power of the cross is the blood of Jesus will defeat any argument against it. We don't have to like it. We don't have to agree with it, but it is true. And it was shed for you and for me. If you believe it and receive that that blood was shed to pay the penalty for your sin and to wipe it clean, that you will be justified before God and can stand before him holy and forgiven, that's the power of the blood. That's nothing you did other than just to say, I'm receiving that gift. That's what I did. That's what anybody who professes faith in Christ does. And I'm praying for a guy like Tucker Carlson who says, hey, man, I'm reading my Bible now. And I'm, whoa, I just, I'm, this is amazing. And may God continue to use the ministry that he has him on. Uh, last call for the Tucker Carlson book uh, by Chadwick Moore, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. More on this topic in just a moment as the bottom line continues. We are so grateful to be partnering with Preborn, and we've got an opportunity for you as a bottom line listener to make your gift count twice as much and go twice as far. Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial Services has put up a special matching gift of $7,500. The idea is to match those dollars dollar for dollar once we get to another $7,500 that we raise here at the Bottom Line Show. Dennis's gift kicks in and we wind up making a $15,000 donation to Preborn. And you know what that does? $15,000 makes it possible for a Preborn clinic to purchase an ultrasound machine. Now, an ultrasound visit, if you just want to sponsor one of those, it's 28 bucks for the pregnancy test, the ultrasound, the pictures, the technician. But $15,000 provides at least 250 ultrasound visits per year for 10 years. So that amortizes down to about five bucks per, if you can make that donation today. We're about $2,000 away from our goal. Who's going to help us get over the hump? 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. 3850-BABY or click online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. Find the pre-born banner, click it today and make your best gift. You won't regret it. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh talking about Tucker Carlson and transgenderism and all the different things that uh, that go into uh, you know, just telling the truth in love, speaking the truth in love to people who need to hear it. Uh, we have been for the past six weeks or so uh, raising funds for our friends at Preborn. It costs $15,000 for Preborn to put in one ultrasound machine at one of their Preborn clinics. A woman goes in, gets the ultrasound done, gets to see pictures of the baby. There's a pregnancy test, obviously, to confirm how far along she is. And then she gets her, she hears what her options are. Her options are one of three. Number one, congratulations, you're a mom. We'll help you with resourcing to find out you know, what, what your situation is and how we can help make the mom experience better for you. Number two, you can release that child for adoption and uh, we'll help you find the attorney who's gonna walk you through the legal process. Once you find that adoptive family, uh, in many cases, the adoptive family will cover your medical costs. There might be a stipend involved for mom as well. Sometimes uh, younger women who are realizing that uh, being a mom right now isn't, uh, you know, probably the best stewarding of their time. This is a great opportunity. There are so many families, so many couples who are waiting to adopt kids and the foster care CPS system is kind of holding them back. 
The third option, obviously, in states where it's legal is that you can abort the child. But with preborn, it's amazing how the love of Christ is present in every one of these meetings, interactions. Uh, 60 plus thousand babies a year are saved at preborn, and also close to 10,000 women wind up having their souls saved. They wind up coming to faith in Christ because of what preborn has to offer them. I want to thank Maureen and Marina Del Rey for her 240, excuse me, $280 donation to preborn, and also uh, to Raymond in uh, Upland for a $140 donation. See, that's right there. There's 15 more kids saved. And those gifts are doubled because of Dennis Wilson's special matching gift. We're getting closer. We're about $2,000 away from that final match. And I'm waiting for a bottom line listener or two. We've had bottom line listeners in the past who've just, you know, called up Preborn at 833-850-BABY and said, I'd like to make a $15,000 donation and put another ultrasound machine in. By the way, keep this in mind. In 2022, Preborn placed 62 ultrasound machines in clinics all across the country. We started partnering with them in October of last year, and in the last three months of the year, we put six of those units in. I thank you uh, for your prayers, for your financial support of Preborn. It's 100% tax deductible, and every dollar you donate when you call 833-850-BABY or go to kbrightradio.com, every dollar you donate goes to the ultrasound machine. They have different fundraising that they do for the administration and salaries and things like that. They've got rent to pay just like anybody else does. But when we talk about raising money for preborn, every penny that we raise here not only stays here in our local markets, but also goes to ultrasound machines. So 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com, look for the preborn banner, and you will find the opportunity that you're looking for to support our friends at Preborn. Uh, we're still taking your calls. I think Crystal's going through the names of the uh, people who've been calling in on the Tucker Carlson uh, book. His biography just came out today, and we were privileged to have some time with Chadwick Moore, who's the author of that book, to uh, have a conversation. But as we think about what Meta did two years ago to Tucker Carlson, to the fact that this is a guy who is, I mean, He's, a, he's an informer. I want to say he's an, an, an entertainer. I mean, there's a certain entertainment value to everybody who's on television or the internet. But also, when it comes to the educational process of it, this is a guy who's being very transparent here of late. This is a guy who, after getting involved in backing some candidates in the 2022 midterms and having them not succeed, um, said, hey, you know what? Maybe I, should, maybe I overstepped my bounds. Maybe I don't have that kind of pull and that kind of knowledge to know. This is a guy who, when he was giving a, an address to the Heritage Foundation on what turned out to be his last day on air at Fox News Channel, described himself as uh, kind of the uh, uh, a low-level Episcopalian. Guy went to the Episcopal Church. He said he hadn't really read through the Bible. It was kind of nominal attendance. And now some of the quotes you've been seeing from him on social media say, I'm reading this. I'm reading the Bible and it's making sense to me. It's interesting to me how God has chosen two voices in the culture, uh, Joe Rogan on the podcast side and now Tucker Carlson on the podcast slash broadcast cable side, and is using them not necessarily to evangelize people, but rather to just ask the questions, things that used to be commonplace in the culture that now we have to ask. I was reading a story about a, I think it was a family in Maryland 
Remember years ago, there was somebody who went through a drive-thru at McDonald's and they got coffee and the coffee was hot and they put the coffee in between their legs because they didn't, you know, we, we've all done that at fast food restaurants, right? And I, this was probably pre-cup holder <laughs> and the car jolted, the coffee spilled out of the cup, third degree burns on this person's legs and thighs and they wound up getting like a $3 million settlement. Now every cup says, warning, the coffee is hot. And we used to say, well, of course it's hot. That's why you bought it, right? You bought hot coffee. I mean, you can buy iced coffee, but you knew this was hot. Similar story happened in Baltimore involving a kid's meal. And I'll take a quick break and when we come back, I wanna see if we could tie everything we've been talking about to, on the program together here by using that as an example of where we are in the culture. Because I think if we can understand incidents like that, it's gonna make our witness a lot more effective in the world that we're living in right now. Let's talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. What do you mean by the fact that I have a 401k time bomb? Eventually, this thing is going to implode and you're going to have to pay the government. And so one guy was totally shocked when I told him that, look, if you leave this right now, your IRA, to your three sons, each one of them will have to declare it and pay taxes on it immediately over the next 10 years. He says, well, they don't need the money. I said, well, the government doesn't care if they need the money. They're going to pay taxes on it. And that's what I mean by the fact that you're going to pay taxes I had a gal say, did dad really leave me this? I said, yeah, he did. He didn't even know that they changed the law. Most people don't know that they've changed the law. And so it is a horrible situation, especially when there's ways you can mitigate it and not have it be so bad for the family and have it be better off for you. That's what I mean. We try to take the tick out of the ticking time bomb. Your 401k is a ticking tax time bomb. Leave a legacy for your heirs, not a tax bill. Call Dennis Wilson and his team today. 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial Services for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hey, congratulations, Kevin Byrne from San Joaquin County. Uh, Kevin, due to the broadcast, or at least to the uh, phone lines anyway. Kevin, thanks for calling in. Uh, we drew Kevin's name out of the... Uh, plethora of names that came flooding in when I gave the phone number out for you to give Crystal a call at 800-227-5278. He is the winner of the brand new book by Tucker Carlson. Well, excuse me. He's the winner of the brand new book about Tucker Carlson, and it's called Tucker. There you go. Uh, we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Very fortunate. I wish we had more of these to give away. I really honestly do. But this is a book that uh, became very, very popular. As you heard Chadwick Moore, the author of the book, share with me earlier in the program today. The fact that they had been working on this book and had been working on it for the better part of a year and it actually just finished the manuscript. And so on the day, it was April 22nd of this year, when Chadwick was going to be a guest on Tucker's program and they were going to talk about the, you know, the, the book and whatever. And then he wound up getting sacked basically by Fox News Channel. From what I understand, Tucker Carlson is still under contract to the end of next year. So they're still paying him, uh, but he's just not, you know, talking on the on the network side and you know the networks are going through changes hey brothers and sisters here's the deal we are strangers and aliens in this world you've heard this your whole life if you grew up in the church if you're in your 50s 60s if you remember what it was like to sing the larry norman songs you know to to have youth group at the beach or the mountains or wherever it was and we talked about how we were all different than the rest of the world but the end of the day, as we got older, we kind of made the church blend in with the world, maybe a little too much. 
And now, boy, we, we, that uh, statistic that Vujicic is showing out, 100,000 or so churches that are several hundred billion dollars in debt with mortgages and things like that. And you have to ask the question, how does that help advance the kingdom? Today, the announcement came down from the Justice Department uh, that uh, Donald Trump is being indicted yet again. This time, they're finally indicting him on the charges stemming from the uprising at the Capitol on January 6th. Now, this may or may not have something to do with the fact that earlier this morning, the New York Times had a screaming headline that said, it's a dead heat. If the election were held today, 43% of Americans support Joe Biden, 43% support Donald Trump. The left won't stand for that. And so they'll continue to throw indictment after indictment and hopefully tie this guy up in court so he can't really effectively campaign for president. We as Christians have to make a decision with regard to how we're going to vote. There's no question about that. It should be prayerfully considered. Look at all the different aspects. There are many good godly candidates who are throwing their hat into the ring on the conservative side of the aisle. Um, I don't know, I, we've talked about this on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. It's getting tougher and tougher for people of faith to say, I'm a Christian and I support the Democrat party just because they don't really support your values. I don't understand why so many Catholics vote Democrat. It can't just be the cultural association. Well, Joe Biden's Catholic, I'll vote for Nancy Pelosi, I'll vote for it. You can't. I could tell you anything, but it doesn't matter what I tell you, it's what I do. It's what you do, it's what we do. That's what God's gonna judge us on. I mean, our words are part of the things that we do, but I mean, a lot of people who talk a great game about faith and when it comes time to have the roll called up yonder, Many of those people are going to be crying out, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. But at the end of the day, remember, God has given us everything we need to withstand the attacks of the enemy. Isaiah tells us that no weapon formed against God will prosper, and we can claim that promise. We have the armor in Ephesians chapter 6, and that armor is custom made for each one of us. It's kind of a corollary to Jesus saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The war is over because Jesus won that war on Calvary. But the battles will continue until the Lord returns. Father, please give us, undergird us, strengthen us, remind us, help us to walk side by side with our brothers and sisters in Christ as we do battle in this culture for truth, for righteousness, as we do battle for the privilege of sharing the good news to the people who are captive if we look at them as adversaries who are trying to take things from us and trying to kill us and wound us and destroy us, we'll never see them for who they really are. They're captives. They're bound. They're imprisoned by sin. And they can't free themselves any more than we could free ourselves. But you've given us the power to share the testimony of what you've done for us, that the Holy Spirit might work in their hearts and see as it's happened to us, it can happen to them too. The key ingredient is hope, the expectation of what is certain, Scripture tells us. Father, help us to be bearers of that hope wherever we go, in everything we say and everything we do and every action and interaction that we have with people outside the faith, knowing that they're going to say some things that kind of sting, but that we can withstand those stings, just like Jesus withstood the cross. That's the bottom line.